Now, over the last few weeks, it was not my plan, but happened nonetheless to spend much time, as much as I have, talking about Pride Month. I think, as you, if you've been here, as we've walked through 1 Corinthians, it certainly has applied and certainly is very much appropriate that we look out in applying the Word of God in view of the things going on around us. And so it was very right to talk on those things. But it wasn't my plan originally. And even now, where we are in this letter is very much related to these things, related to the issue of identity, even to the issue of having an an identity crisis, which is truly at the forefront of what people are struggling with today. Who am I? What gender am I supposed to be? And so on. It's not just the sexual revolution and LGBTQ and all these things. I think it goes further than that. Well, here in 1 Corinthians, in our passage, the Corinthians were having just that. They were having an, an identity crisis. They were not seeing themselves rightly. And this is where we are as a culture on a number of fronts as well, right? People are not seeing themselves rightly. They're not seeing themselves according to the truth. They're not seeing themselves according to God's created order. It's part of the depth of the confusion our culture is facing. And honestly, it will only get worse in the years to come as children are raised under and within all of these things. I mean, you can only imagine the kind of confusion that children and people throughout the world are going to be facing. The very real consequence of the sexual revolution will be evident for years to come. And hear me here, what's coming won't be pretty. And you and I, as the church, we need to be ready. Not with anger, not with hating people, even if they say we're hating. We need to go and share Christ. We need to love fiercely and share the truth with others. And so we're seeing this identity crisis all around us. And it also goes right into the pew as well, right in with all of us here. It may not be LGBTQ, but we see with other things. And we see this with men, we see this with women, and we see this with fathers also. And if we're not careful, we'll get lost amidst the world and the spirit of the world compromising and twisting and mangling the family, mangling motherhood, and mangling fatherhood. And as the church, 
our response needs to be far be it from us. We have a steady anchor amidst all these things. We have the truth and we must cling to the truth. We must cling to God's word. We must cling to Christ. We must cling to the wisdom and the power of God in Christ. And this is just what Paul is calling the Corinthians to here also. Don't go on being like the world. Nor go on living according to the spirit of the world. But live as those who belong to Christ who have the Spirit of God in you. You're not to live like the unredeemed, but as the redeemed, not as those who live according to the flesh, but as those who live according to the Spirit of God. That is what Paul is getting at in our verses this morning. And so to see this, let's... Read here then, beginning with chapter 2. And we'll start in chapter 2, verse 14. May the Lord help us, blessing the reading of his inerrant word. Chapter 2, verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of a Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, For you were not ready for it, and even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? But when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? as we read, and as you heard these words from Paul, I think you would agree, there's no doubt, though we don't have the tone of these verses, that there's no doubt that Paul is zealous for the Corinthians here. As he has said in the chapters leading up to this one, even the verses leading up to this one, he preached to them in the power of the Spirit of God. And now... By the grace of God, they see, they live, and they have life through faith in Christ. Which is exactly what happened to you and me as well. Someone preached. and By the power of the Spirit of God, you were brought to life. And you look to Christ by faith. And so they have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. And they and all of us, as he said, he said all this already... You and I, we are to have the mind of Christ, which is what we saw in verse 16. 
Yet this is just the issue, right? I mean, the Corinthians, they're living in ways that are not in accord with all of that. And this is why Paul is rather pointed with them here, why he's so serious in admonishing them the way he is here. It's why he made this whole contrast in chapter 2, what I just read, 14 through 16, between the natural, spiritless person, and if you don't know what that means, it means someone who does not know Christ, they're not a believer, between that and the spiritual, spirit-indwelt person or in a believer in Christ. And so as those who have the Spirit of God in us, and he's talking to the Corinthians, as those who have the Spirit of God in them, as those who know God through Christ, Paul is saying, we, you and I, were not redeemed to be infants. We were not redeemed to be infants. Now, we'll, I'll tell you more about what that exactly means, but as Paul says this, and he is very pointed here, there is no lack of love in Paul's words here. Now, Paul is admonishing them. And we see that, yes, but his admonishment, it's right, it's good, and it is loving. As believers, as we breathe in the cultural air around us that sees things like this, and they say, well, that can't be loving if you correct me in any way, right? We don't say that. And you are not to think that way either as believers. We're not to adopt this whole idea that says, oh, just let them just do what makes them happy, you know? You just do you. I mean, let them be. They'll do their thing. We'll do our thing. And how often we can use that phrase and even that way of thinking and just be condoning sinful behavior things that God is not pleased with. And so it would not be loving to not say something. I mean, you see someone driving off a cliff and maybe they're not aware of it somehow. It would not be a kind or loving thing to say, to like turn your back and say, well, you just do you, right? And so here also, Paul's admonishing them in a very appointed way as he is doing, is is loving. He loves them. And in all this, this admonishment, see what he calls them there in verse 1. He calls them brothers, which includes sisters as well. I mean, you could put brothers and sisters. So he, he sees them as believers and followers of Christ. But even as he does that, though, he doesn't bat an eye when he says in verse 1, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Friends, that is a searing indictment of their behavior. I mean, as we read this, remember what he said in chapter 2, verse 14 through 16, what I just read a second ago. They're not acting like spiritual people. 
I mean, is that, that's a searing indictment. They're not acting like people who are redeemed. That's what he's saying here. Ouch, right? I mean, how many people have told you that in your life? Maybe how many people should have told you that in your life? Or even told churches that? I mean, how many churches would be okay with someone standing up and saying, you are not acting like believers. Not a one of you. (laughs) Right? Would you be okay with that? I mean, you might throw a tomato at the pastor. But we need to have a category for that. Paul's doing it here with his church. As we read this in verse 1, this admonishment, we need to be careful to say and be clear on something as well. This is not about two categories of Christians. This is not about two categories of Christians. Now, why do we need to be clear on that? Well, because people have taken this verse exactly that way. This is where you may have heard of it, maybe you haven't. And it's part of our translations as well. But they don't just mean it in the translations like King James Version. But they mean it as distinct categories. So they're the terminology like this. Carnal Christians, you've heard that? Maybe? Versus spiritual Christians. Well, this verse is where that terminology came from. They say that these are believers, carnal Christians, who are living lives of unbelief versus believers who are living by faith. Two categories. Now, I don't think this is what Paul is getting at at all. He's not saying that there are fleshy Christians over here and spiritual Christians over here, or carnal Christians over here and spiritual Christians over here. There aren't these two categories of Christians. What he's saying is he's saying something very simple. He's saying that they aren't acting like believers. They're acting like unbelievers. That's it. That's what he's saying. He's not saying, all right, everybody, you need to have two categories as you go through life. You know those people that aren't going to church, those that say they're Christian, they're carnal Christians. He's not saying you need to develop these kind of categories. He's saying that this is not okay. You are acting like unbelievers. You see how serious this indictment is? And that's what he's saying, and he's saying it is not okay. Paul is not okay with this. This category should not be. It's not a category. God isn't okay with this either. This is not acceptable. It's not talking about two different categories of Christians. It's calling the Corinthians to repent. And maybe this morning, God right now, he is calling you to repent also. That if you think being a Christian and living in sin is okay, it is not okay. It doesn't mean we're perfect. But I think we go there so quick, don't we? Not perfect. Friends, we are to be different from the world. 
living in sin in the way that the Corinthians are here, Paul is saying that is way he's saying that they're acting like infants they're still living to please themselves yet they and you and and I and every Christian we're not called to fleshliness we're called to holiness in other words they were to live according to who they are who they are in Christ rather than living like the world and according to the spirit of the world. And is that not the challenge we're facing today? Pride month and everything else. Worldliness and everything else. God is not calling you to be like the world. He's calling you to be like his son. Because Christ is the hope of the world. There is no other hope, church. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way. And so as we take this and we, we read these words and hear Paul's admonishment, come to this admonishment with a humble receptivity. With a humble receptivity. If you're a believer, you are not enrolled in the school of the world. What I mean is, you're not defined by it. You're not called to live according to it. It is not your Lord. It is not your ruler. It is not your king. You, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are enrolled in the school of Christ. This means... Some of you need to hear this and hear this well. It is not okay that you are still an infant walking and living like the world. You and I, if you know Christ, we are to be progressively growing. Or theologically, this is called progressive sanctification. Growing continually in holiness. We never ultimately reach glorification like perfection in this, in this life. We're progressively growing and becoming more like Christ. And to be growing and becoming more like Christ. And this is part of what Paul was getting at as well. And what Megan read a moment ago from Philippians. We're not to be defined by just anything, but even what we've done in the past, forgetting what lies behind, but pressing on to what lies ahead. A press on to the goal, the prize, the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. There's my goal. And I'm running after Christ. I've sinned, but Christ is my Savior. He's forgiven all that sin. And I will keep my eyes on Him Amen. as I go through this world. I will not take on the spirit of the world, but I will live according to the spirit of God in Christ. So what does that mean? It means, friends, self must be denied 
not nurtured. Our lives as believers aren't ultimately about us. Life is ultimately not about you. It is about Christ and you living by the power of the Spirit of God in Christ. And so Paul, he is saying, and he is calling for us to see the growth in Christ and in the mind of Christ is expected of you. Growth in Christ and in the mind of Christ is expected of you. This passage is telling you and all of us that being an infant in Christ means something is seriously wrong. And likely means we're still more focused on ourselves and our own lives and our own preferences rather than on Christ and the cross-centered, self-denying life that he's calling you to live and me to live also. I mean, just imagine, you know, a 20-year-old who's still an infant. I mean, it's hard to imagine. I mean, can you even think that <laughs> like how, how does that work but just imagine they they come into the service here 20 years old and this little baby walking down the aisle they're 20 years old now we wouldn't look at that and say oh that's just so cute you know <laughs> we wouldn't look at that and say how cute we would be what would you be you would be seriously concerned right i mean what is wrong here <laughs> and so the bigger question we need to be asking ourselves is why are we still infants? Why aren't we maturing? Rather than saying, you know, I see it's normal. I see all these immature, fleshly believers around here. And so it's just fine that I'm this way. Rather than saying that, we need to say that this is not okay. I am, regardless of who I am, I may not be a pastor, I may not be a theologian, I may not be an evangelist, I may not be a missionary, I may not be a deacon, I may not be any of those things, but I am to mature in Christ. Amen. Brother, sister, you need to be growing in the Lord. You need to be growing in the mind of Christ. And let me say something. And we'll see even more as we go through this letter. God has not called you to join a church and do nothing. Do you understand that? If you're not serving in some way, God has called you and you have become a member of a church, regardless of your age, that you would join it and serve in it. He has not called you into a church to learn nothing, to give nothing, and that will cost you nothing. Friends, a consumeristic mindset as a believer is against the grain of Christ and against the grain of his church. Yet I'm afraid that many of us, that's exactly the way we live. And I'm not above this either. None of us are. That's why 
We need to hear these things. We need the mind of Christ. We're gathering Sunday after Sunday. It's not just a time for you to sit back and just be entertained. This is not a movie theater. Every single one of you, you are to be serving in the body of Christ. That's the vision we have of the body from God. And so we need to examine ourselves. Have I perhaps adopted that mind? I'm just going to come and consume and consume. I'll go to the Bible studies. I'll go to the preaching. But other than that, don't count on me. The Lord hasn't called you to that. I mean, whatever ministry it is, it can be anything in the church. But he's not called you just to sit in a pew. He's called you to serve him and live for him. To deny ourselves and live that way within the body of Christ. Now, of course, this is Father's Day. And so as it relates to men, and more specifically fathers, this call to have the mind of Christ is true of you also. God has called you fathers or future fathers. You may not be a father right now. Children, hear this. One day, if God allows, you may be a father. You need to hear this. God has called you to lead your family in cross-centered wisdom. Not consumeristic wisdom, but cross-centered wisdom. That you would aim your life, you would aim your family, not at the world, but at the kingdom of God in everything. Our homes aren't to be little enclaves of the world, but training grounds for the kingdom of Christ. Yes, you can do sports, you can do all these other things, you can do music. Are you training primarily your children as disciples of the Lord and King, Jesus Christ? Is that your priority in all things? As you learn an instrument, as you do sports, as you choose this college or that college, as you go on vacation here or as you go on vacation there, as you go and share the gospel at Bridge Street, or you don't, right? And you say, well, I'm not that kind of person that's going to share the gospel with others. Fathers, and really all of us, we need to embrace the mind of Christ, cross-centered wisdom. And so are you doing that? Fathers, you are to be the frontliners in this. Now, what do I mean by that? Oh, I mean those who stand at the front of the battle lines, leading the way, even as you follow Christ. You are to be the frontliners in service. You are to be the frontliners in ministry. You are to be the frontliners in getting in the word, knowing the word. You are to be the frontliners in prayer. You are to be the frontliners in sharing the gospel and leading for the glory of God, your family. Lord, help us do that. 
Lord, help me do that. But that is what we are to be. That's what God has called you to be, fathers, within your family. So to sum up what Paul is saying here, and even in these next verses, in verses 2 through 4, he's saying that we are not to live like unredeemed people. We are not to live like unredeemed people. This is what he's calling for. This is what he's calling for the Corinthians to understand and to see. They weren't living like spiritual people. People with the Spirit of God in them. Now as Paul writes this, he says there in verse 2, that they were not ready for it, solid food, and then even now you're not yet ready for, all, for, for you are still of the flesh. Now, what, what does he mean by that? What is he talking about there in those verses? He's not saying, let me just say this, that he's not saying, all right, preacher, don't go too deep in your preaching and teaching. He's not saying that. He's not saying, all right, preacher, just stay in the shallows. Just be all surface level and stay right there. That's not what he's saying. Now, I'm saying that, but we certainly do need to take into account what people can handle, like pastors, preachers, teachers. We do need to take that into account. But he's not saying that here. Otherwise, Paul would be contradicting himself, right? Because he, he has written already with some depth here, right? I mean, we're only in chapter 3, and he has blown our minds several times. I mean, things that you guys are probably like, I still don't know if I understand that. Like, I mean, he is saying that to them, even as he said this to them in these verses. So he doesn't mean to stay in the shallows. What he's saying, and that they're not ready, he's saying they weren't ready because they were living in sin. They weren't ready because they're living in sin. That is the issue. It's not because they were too young as believers. Nor was it because of their lack of ability to process deeper things. It was their lives. Verse 3, they were living of the flesh. Now, not to be too obvious here, but it needs to be said, living in sin will stifle your growth as a believer. I wonder how many of you have asked that question. Maybe you aren't flourishing as a believer. I'm not saying you are living in sin. But we do need to ask that question. Living in sin will stifle your growth as a believer. And this is why he goes on here in verses 3 through 4 to give these signs of the flesh, the signs of jealousy and strife. Again, we see being an infant is not a good thing. It's selfish and self-focused. And here Paul gives tangible ways that they were living in ways contrary to the Spirit of God. Now, like I said before, yes, we all sin and we all struggle. But that is not to be the pattern of the redeemed. 
of believers who have known and know the grace and forgiveness that is in Christ Jesus. I mean, you see here how self-focused they were. And we can be that too. Jealousy and strife are signs of this, of a fixation on self, of on your own desires, on your own preferences, and on your own opinions. It's where you want the honor, you want the esteem, you want the position, you want the advantage over others, even when conflict and dissension are the result. And truly, I mean, this can be over the smallest of things, right? Even over putting a crockpot in the wrong spot. You're like, crockpot? <laughs> I don't see crockpot in these verses. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, I remember actually hearing this that it was a church that got up in arms when they had this youth event and a youth did something like this. They didn't, they didn't put the crock pot in the right spot. <laughs> and the church just goes wild, you know? Angry. I mean, really? <laughs> Over a crock pot? Is that what God has called us to do, to be as the church? I mean, does that not show just how deep our selfishness goes? I mean, let me just put it this way. Jesus demands our very lives. And he might call you one day to lay it down. And I'm not talking about just like spiritually, like every day you die to self. I'm talking about one day he may call you to lay down your life unto death for the sake of the gospel. So what of all that then? Crockpots. Really? <laughs> what of all of our jealousy and strife then? How will someone in the thick of jealousy and strife do that? Lay down their life when all they've known is just the opposite. Selfishness, self-centeredness, self-seeking. Well, Paul, he is aiming all of us away from that. He's aiming the Corinthians away from that away from that and towards Christ and towards cross-centered living. Which is what he said, isn't it? This is how he wants us to live. Verse 23, chapter 1. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks... Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. He is calling us to have the mind of Christ to cross-centered living. And so behaving, as he says here, in only a human way, is the opposite of that. 
He's not talking about just like, you're just, you're just human, you know. I'm just human. That's not what he's saying. He's saying behaving only in a human way is you're living fleshly, living focused on yourself. So in verse 4, he brings back up how they're following this or that person. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. Right? This this strife and this self-centered focus. My former pastor, he said of these verses here, one telltale sign of immaturity among believers is the inability to distinguish between convictions that come from the Word of God and preferences that come from personal opinions. I mean, is that not many of the divisions we have? Well, if that's true, then... Brother, sister, that means you are immature. And Paul here is calling them and he's calling us to grow up. So let me ask you, where does the cross factor into your life? Even those who are willing to lay their lives down, to put sin to death, even lay their lives down unto death. Right now, how many of you are willing to lay your life down for Christ if it came down to it? Not in theory, but in reality. As we see these words from Paul, as we hear God's friends, we must think differently. Realize you're a blood-bought child of God indwelt with the Spirit of God. You're not to see yourself according to the flesh anymore. Some of you need to hear this right now, that that sin that you think is your master, you need to know sin is not your master anymore. The flesh is not your master The old self is not your king. Jesus is your king. And so you are to live by faith in Christ as those who are indwelt by the powerful Spirit of God who is in you, reorienting your whole life around Christ. So believers, fathers, wage war as cross-bearing followers of Christ. Wage war as cross-bearing followers of Christ. Rather than wounding others, will you bear the cross? Bear the cross. For Father's Day, men, if I could encourage you with anything here, lose your life that you may find it. may be that you're here and you're hearing this sermon and you're realizing, well, I don't think I'm just like an infant. I think I don't know Jesus. You have been living in the world. 
you have this guilt, you have this sin, you have this debt weighing upon you. Jesus is coming to you and saying, lose your life that you may find it. Call upon me. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Confess him as Lord. Nothing else, no one else but Christ, the one who came and died and was buried and rose again to take all your sin upon himself in your place. That now you would say, with the saints, all I have is Christ. So fathers, lose your life that you may find it. There is the godly man. There is the godly husband. And there is the godly father. Lay your life down and follow Christ, fathers. Read the word of God. Lead by example. If your family and children see you doing anything, let it be you in your Bible and on your face before God in prayer. Let it be you saying, we won't prioritize other things over Christ and his church. Let's gather, family. Let's serve. Let's minister. Let's share the gospel. And let's go out for the sake of the gospel. Let it be you saying, I will disciple my children. I will lay down my life for my wife. And I will be the man of God I'm called to be. Wow, if you would do that, fathers, see what the Lord will do. Because honestly, that's not happening in churches. And, who, and I, I'm so thankful for all of you women and sisters in Christ when you are servants. And I think you in the church thinks you your service but there are more women serving in the body of Christ than men are and I say that men to your shame we need to take up the call to be servants of Christ in truth arrayed we need to be those who lead in service lead in sacrifice lead in witness lead within the body of Christ So rather than walking in the contradictions of the flesh, walk and live according to the spirit and the mind of Christ. Brothers, sisters, you don't need to be confused about who you are in our day. No need to have an identity crisis. Even now, amidst our culture's identity crisis, no that you have a sure identity. What are you? We are Christians indwelt with the Spirit of God called to live for Christ and to lay down our lives as followers of Christ. That's who you are. So may we live and be that. Let's pray.
Father, we come before you and we thank you. We pray. I pray. And I pray that we make this our prayer. I lay down my life for you. Lord, form this mind in me. Form this mind in us. Lord, we are so selfish, self-seeking. Help us to lay down our lives. Conform us to Christ. Forgetting what laid, what was behind and pressing on to what lies ahead. Help us, Father, everyone in this room, that they would say, we would all say now it's before you, A, I lay down my life, whatever you call me to do, whatever you call me to be, however you call me to serve, I will do it. If there's anyone here who doesn't know Christ, that they would say, Lord, save me a sinner. And so help us respond as we sing this song before you, Lord, to echo out the heartbeat of what Paul is calling us to, that all we have is Christ. May that be our response. And so help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.